0: Welcome to the weekly podcast of Covenant Grace Menifee. Each week, we gather to better understand the teachings of the Bible and how to live them out in our daily lives. We hope and pray that you're encouraged by this week's message. Good morning. So last week, Eric started teaching on the doctrine of the Trinity, and he not only taught that it is true, that we see it in Scripture, but also the attractiveness and like the blessing of the Trinity, The reality that God exists as one being, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in three persons. So what do the Christians believe about the Trinity? There's only one God. In this Godhead, there are three persons. All persons are fully God. So God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they exist in being in essence as one God, yet all three of them are fully God and truly God. And they are equal in glory, the majesty co eternal. They agree in their own will together. But yet, all three of these persons have different and distinct roles as they interact with their, with their people and in creation. Make sense? So, today, next week, and the following week, we're going to look at each person of the Trinity and see what scripture says about them, their character, their role in our lives. Okay? And so this Sunday, we're going to be talking about God as Father, God the Father. What is His character? What is His desire for us? And what is His role for us and with us? And so let us go ahead and pray, and we'll jump into it. And as I'm praying, turn to John chapter 1. Heavenly Father, We thank you for your care for us. We thank you for your goodness towards us. You are, just like Josh said, almighty God, maker of heaven and earth. You created this world and this universe out of nothing. You are so powerful. You are incomprehensible. And yet, what is man, what is woman that you are mindful of us? You care for us. You know, as we get to see, you know, as we get to study the world that you created, we are more and more sure that there has to be a creator. We are more and more confident that you are behind it all. But also, what happens to me is as I see these realities and these truths that you've created, I feel so much smaller and I get humbled. And I get amazed that you would still look into your creation. And though we're so small, you love us, you care for us, you think of us. It is so amazing. And so I ask, Heavenly Father, please, through your word, fall fresh on us. As I scatter seed among your people here, let it please cause fruit let it grow. Prepare our hearts through your Spirit. Soften our hearts right now as we hear your Word being taught. Let it please bless us and let us all walk away with a deeper understanding of who you are, Father, and your real care for us and love for us. Please be with us. Help me to decrease so that you may increase. I don't know how to do that other than just Sharing your word with your people this morning. So please help me to decrease so that you may increase. Please help us to humble ourselves and hear your words as your very words, not my words, but your words. Please be with us. I'm confident that you will be. You say anything we ask in your name, Jesus, you will give it so that the Father may be glorified. And so I ask in the name of Jesus, bless us this morning. Speak to us this morning and cause fruit to grow from your word being scattered this morning and help us all to have a deeper relationship with you, Father, because of who you are. We love you. We praise things in your name. Amen. So we're talking about God the Father, but I wanted to start with a question and I recently taught at the youth group a couple weeks ago, and I taught this similar thing this Friday at the Young Adults. But the question that I have for you, just think about it, why did Jesus come? You know, and when, when he's up in the, in the upper room praying to the Father, he says he has accomplished the work that the Father gave him to do. And what was that? You know, our first initial thought, almost everybody says, he came to die. But is that his sole purpose in coming? Was that the end goal of him coming? Was just to die? Or was there a purpose behind it? So look, look with me at John chapter 1, and then we're going to flip over to John chapter 17. But John chapter 1, starting in verse 14 through 18. And just forewarning, we're going to look at a lot of passages because again, it's just going to be a basic message about who the Father is, what His character is towards us, and His desire for us, and His role in our lives. So look at John chapter 1, 14 through 14-18. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, that's Jesus, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. Verse 16, and from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Verse 18, no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. And then look at John 17. John 17, starting in verse 1. So Jesus is praying to the Father. It's the night He's betrayed. It's the night before He is crucified. John 17:1. He's praying to the Father. When Jesus had spoken these words, He lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify Your Son that the Son may glorify You, since You have given Him authority over all flesh I've accomplished the work that you've given me to do. Now glorify me. And yes, he hasn't died yet in this story. What was the work that he gave him to do? The work the Father gave the Son to do was that the Father would be known by his people. Isn't that cool? And so, why did Jesus come? It was so that they may know the Father. So that they may experience the Father, that they would have nothing hindering their relationship between us and the Father. And so, yes, Jesus had to die so that we may be forgiven and accepted by the Father. We were separated from God. Even the tabernacle, there was a veil, right? The temple, there was a veil that separated us from God. And yet, what happens when Christ dies? His body was that veil. It was torn. It was ripped so that we may walk through Him and experience God the Father through Him and know God the Father through Him. So why did Jesus come? So that we may know the Father. Isn't that cool? And so our Christian life, it's that we would enjoy the Father It's that we would trust the Father. It's that we would live as children of God the Father on this earth, trusting Him, knowing that He has the best thing in mind for us. Amen? Amen. And so why did Jesus come? So that we may know the Father. So it's really important that we have messages like this because this is why Jesus came, so that we may know Him. And so now we're going to look at two specific points as we walk through God, you know, looking at who God the Father is. So first point, what is the Father's disposition toward his people? So what is God the Father's disposition towards his people? Let's look at a couple verses. Look at Exodus 34 verse 6. I purposely didn't put bookmarks so I can get there with you guys. Give you guys time to flip to it. All right, Exodus 34, verse 6. Oh, yeah, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. This was soon after the Israelites made a golden calf and worshiped it. And what's one of the first things that God the Father tells Moses to tell the people? The Lord, the Lord, merciful, slow to anger, and, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Isn't that amazing? They worshiped another God. And one of the very first things that God wants them to hear, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Verse 7, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that amazing? What is his disposition towards his people? A one of love, a one of forgiveness, a one of kindness and graciousness towards them. Look at Deuteronomy 7, 7. Deuteronomy 7, verse 7 through 8. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set His love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all the peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that He swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So why does God love his people? What's the answer that Moses gives them? Yeah, because he loves you. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that amazing? Like it's not because they did anything. Somebody might read this and go, oh, it's because they were the fewest of people. He goes, no, 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 no. That's not why. It's because simply I love you. So the assurance that his people had About his love for them was not based at all in anything that they've done or anything that they could do or will do because they were assured by God himself, I love you because I love you. And that is one of the most greatest things we can know about God toward us. He loves you because He loves you. Are you struggling this morning to believe that God doesn't love you because of something you've done? then I want you to hear this morning, he loves you because he loves you. He loves you because he loves you. Isn't that great? It's good news. For people who are doubters about God's love towards them, he loves you because he loves you. And the world, the flesh, and the devil will try and get you to doubt that. So please keep renewing your mind in these truths and with Scripture and what God says of himself and trust Him over your own experiences and over your own flesh and over what the devil tells you and over what the world tells you. He loves you because He loves you. And then, if you guys trust the New Testament more than the Old Testament, let's go to Romans chapter 8. I know how our flesh works. We go, well, that's the Old Testament. All right, Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 31. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Does he love you? What is his disposition toward you, believer? Do you believe and trust in Jesus? Think the Father's disposition toward you is one of love and care and admiration of you. He is for you. What can separate us from that love? Nothing. Isn't that amazing? What can separate us from that love? What will change the Father's disposition towards us? Nothing. Why? Because He loves you because He loves you. That's it. And He's done everything possible so that you can be in a relationship with Him. And our relationship is through the work of Jesus. And so we can have confidence that no matter where we're at or what we have done in Christ, we will never be separated from Him. And we're in the hands of our Father, never to be snatched out by anything. So what is His disposition towards us? One of love, care, and desire for us. And before we move on from this point, I just, does your understanding of the Father line up with these realities? If it doesn't, you know, I know a lot of us, like me, I grew up um, by a single mom, I'm the youngest of five kids, and we had a rough start, and I probably had the best life out of the five because of my mom kept getting better. You know, the first few had it rough, so I always thought, like, man, I had a really good life. But as I realized with my relationship with my dad, I've especially realized the last few years why I s- doubted so much that God would accept me and God would receive me. I would have this cycle when I got saved where I would sin, whether it was anger, lust, anxiety, no matter what it was, if I sinned and clearly sinned and I disobeyed him, not an accident or but a knowing knowing sin that I did, I had this habit of believing that he would push me away, that he wouldn't love me. And so I would have to, I would feel like I was unsaved and i had have to get saved again. And I had this, this thought that he had this disposition towards me that once I failed, he pushed me away again. And it would take some time for him to receive me again. It would take me to do some things for him to receive me again. And it was this ongoing habit that I had. And just a few years ago, I think I had this light bulb experience happen to me where, like, why did I have that experience of my Heavenly Father? Why did I have this thought? Because it wasn't from Scripture. It was nowhere in Scripture that I could see this. But my reality with my, my own dad, my earthly dad, I think affected me in that way because he was in our lives every once in a while. Like, I think I lived with him when I was probably, like, three or four then he went to prison, and then he got out of prison around like 10. I think it was. I don't really remember, but he lived with us probably for like six months. I don't really know. I was too young. But I remember every time he would come around, man, I just wanted to do things that I knew he would be excited about. So like I knew he skateboarded. So man, I wanted to skateboard even better. Like when he came when I was 10, I was already skateboarding. I loved the fact that he skateboarded. I was like, oh, heck yeah, dad. You'll love this then. And I knew that he boxed and so even when I got older I started boxing at 15. Most of you guys know me. One of the reasons why I did it was to prove to get my dad excited and proud of me. Like as I think back I'm like man how hurt was I? Um, it's amazing how fathers have this control over their kids and how we might not even know what's happening and what they're doing to us. But so uh, there's a story it's funny I haven't had many experiences with my dad but there's one experience where I was 10 years old where he was hanging out with these guys he probably shouldn't be hanging out with. We were over there, me and my brother, and um, they were having the kids box. And so my dad was like, all right, Gabe, you're up. You know, man, I didn't box back then, but I did fight a lot, but I didn't box. And and I was a crybaby. My brother would always call me a crybaby all the time. Shut up, (laughs) crybaby. No, but all right, get back on track. Um, So my dad goes, all right, Gabe, you're up. I put on the gloves, I remember, it was probably like one punch, right in the eye, and my eye was open, (laughs) my (laughs) brother, I started crying, and it was like, the glove was dirty, it got in my eye, and I remember, man, from that day, till like I was 22, I was embarrassed of how I, I was like, what did my dad think of me, oh my gosh, I must have embarrassed him, and I didn't tell anybody this, I just, it would haunt me every once in a while. And I didn't see that guy since I was 11. Like, that was the last time I saw him. And I kept this fear of that I shamed him, that I brought shame upon him. I didn't make him proud. And I would, like, seriously, some nights I'd be like, man, I sh- why did I cry? <laughs> well, the glove was dirty. <laughs> like, like, arguing with myself. I'm like, man, you're so dumb. And then a couple of years ago, my brother was like, we were talking about how it was weird how we would want to please our dads, our dad, and he's like, Yeah, there's this one time when, do you remember dad told you to box and you started crying? I was like, you're embarrassing, dad. I was like, wow, you remember that? (laughs) I was like, oh, that was not helpful. (laughs) But I say this because I remember him choosing drugs over us. That's how I saw it. And I was like, dang it, I failed him. If I would have just been better at box, if I didn't cry that day. Now, if I didn't do certain things, man, would he have loved me? Would he have stayed for me? It's crazy. And I just think about it. How many of us have had an experience with our earthly fathers that's affecting our relationship with our heavenly father? There's realities within this book that we read that don't make sense to us because of our experiences that we've had on this earth. So, the reality that God loved me because he loved me made no sense to me because I had so many walls put up and realities in my own life that hindered me from believing this. But as I grew and as God is patient with me, he keeps teaching me come back, come back. And when I come back, we, like the prodigal son, right? The father runs to his son. The Father cares and loves His Son when He comes back, and He was there for Him to embrace Him. Isn't that amazing? And so, some of us have daddy issues. That's fine. But do not let those daddy issues affect you and stop you from constantly looking at and trusting the reality of who God our Father is toward you and His disposition towards you. And if you are not Believing that and struggling to believe those things, I would just say keep renewing your mind with the Word of God. And what's cool is God the Father is patient with you, and He's there for you, and He will always love you in Christ. And what can separate you from that love? Nothing. Amen? Amen. So, He loves you because He loves you. Just remind yourselves of that if you're struggling with that. He loves me because He loves me. It's so helpful. And so now lastly, what is the father's role in our lives? This is really cool. And I think this will help us to really desire to know him and seek him in relationship. What is the father's role in our lives? Look at Romans chapter 8 starting in verse 28. So Romans 8:28. And we know Well, He's made a plan for your life. And what's the Father's role in your life? He will see to it that everything works together for your good. He is a really good Father who looks at this world, looks at your life, and plans everything out for it to work for your good. And it will end in you looking like His Son, Jesus Christ. Those whom He called, do you believe in Jesus? Well, then you've been called. Those whom he called, he will glorify. So, what's the Father's role in your life? To give you a plan according to his will to save you and to bless you by keeping that plan and making that plan happen. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1, starting in verse 3. And we're going to go down to. Verse 3 to 11. And it's really cool. Ephesians 1, 3 through 14 really show the roles, the distinct roles of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But we're going to be just looking at the role of the Father that Paul gives us in these verses. So Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Look at verse 5, in love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Look at verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So, what's the Father's role in your life? He has made a will for you to come to salvation. And what's really cool is, I think the way we picture the Father sometimes is that He's angry, He needs to be satisfied, and so Christ jumps in front of the bullet, in a sense. But instead, it's the Father behind all of this. He is making the plan. So, that's why it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ according to His will. So who's behind all of this plan? It's the Father. He's behind all the blessings that you receive in Christ. Amen? God the Father sends Jesus. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. It's God the Father who plans to give His Son. It's God the Father that the the Holy Spirit comes from. He proceeds from the Father, John 15, 26. It's the Father who sends the Spirit, gives authority to the Son to send the Spirit. Are you receiving blessings in this salvation? It's from the Father. So what's His role in your life? To bless you, to give you salvation, and to make sure He sees it through. Look at Philippians chapter 1. Philippians 1, verse 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. What's his role in your life? That he will see this plan through. He has made a plan and he will make it happen. Amen? And then I was thinking about Hebrews chapter 13. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So what is the Father's plan for you or the role in your life? is that He has a will. He's making everything work according to the counsel of His will. And He has blessed you in Christ. And He will see to it that you remain blessed. He has put an inheritance in the heavenly places waiting for you. And He will make you get there. He will help you along the way. Amen? So, just this morning, as we even partake of the Lord's Supper, this was the Father's plan that He would send His only Son for you. Because He loves you, because He cares for you, He wants you to be in relationship with Him. And so as we even partake of the Lord's Supper, let us be reminded of God the Father's love for us, that He gave His only Son for us. He sent His Son, not so the world can be condemned, but be saved. And look at what He's done in our lives. So please... Come to Him, receive His grace, receive His love. And please, if you are doubting, repent from that. Keep looking to the realities and the promises that the Father has given you. And keep looking at the realities that the Father has shown you about His love and disposition towards you. Amen? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, You are so good to us, so kind to us, You are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. You will not treat us according to our iniquity or our transgressions. You have done everything necessary for us to be forgiven. You set aside our record of debt, nailing it to the cross. You've put to open shame the rulers and authorities. In Christ, you've crushed the head of the serpent. And you will soon crush the head of the serpent under our feet. Please keep reminding us of your love toward us and for us. We thank you for you not leaving us in the dark, but giving us these letters from you to help us understand who you are and how much you care for us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being for us and with us. Please help us to trust you more and more. And please, as we take the Lord's Supper, give us strength through it and help us to trust you this week. We love you. We praise things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can email us at info at May the Lord bless your week and guide your steps.